I got a question for everybody. When you think about pop culture, what is the first series or, or movie or television show that comes to mind? For most people, it probably has got to be Star Wars. Now, we grew up and we were alive in 1989, 1990, so we were not technically alive when the first trilogy of films came out, including the film celebrating its 40th anniversary, Star Wars Episode V, Empire Strikes Back, but now with a 40th anniversary, which first of all, damn, and the fact that we have Disney Plus that is wildly available. So maybe now is like the best time to not just experience the films, but you also have the television shows, Clone Wars, all that stuff. It's a Empire Strikes Back celebration right now on another episode of A Cast of the Past with a brand new one coming at you each and every Sunday with yours truly, possibly the most underprepared person for this episode, super casual Star Wars fan, Juan Velas from Puerto Rico. Now, we're, we're upping up the scale, okay? So I'm like, if, if we're in a zero out of 10, I'm like at a two. Ryan, when it comes to Star Wars knowledge and experience from Boston, Massachusetts, how would you rate yourself, buddy? Are we talking two out of 10? Um, my bar's pretty low. Like, uh, you, you can't do worse than me, so. Well, is it two out of 10 or two out of five? That's what I'm ten, wondering. Ten. Okay, two out of 10. Then maybe I am a five, a generous five out of 10. I'm a, I'm a fan of Star Wars. I've watched all the main series stuff and some of the side stuff, but I am not a complete Star Wars nerd. I love the series, but I am not one of those super knowledgeable people. So yeah, I think five is about right for my knowledge. You know, the good thing, Ryan, is that you and I, were, we're scaling up, but then we're almost at the 10. And I'm I'm going to put Keith Hamilton in the spot from London, Ontario. I'm going to call you a 10 because this way, everybody's going to be judging you so hard in this episode, Keith. We're talking about arguably one of the best, most highly revered films of all time. So why are you a definitive 10, my friend? Well, I would say I'm not, but I would give myself a 9.5 simply because, okay, Every day I like to have a coffee, and today when I was having my coffee, I was watching a YouTube video breaking down the color of Darth Vader's eyes in a scene from a thing of Star Wars. So that's how deep I am in this, and it's really exciting to me that we're talking about Empire Strikes Back today, because it is without a doubt my favorite movie ever like not just star wars movie this is my favorite movie and for that reason honestly i'm a little nervous to talk about it just because i know i'm a little i'm a little deep on this one but it's exciting the force is with us today it will be and uh, i think this is going to be a very different review because look i don't think anybody's going to come into us thinking Oh, like, do I need to watch Empire Strikes Back? Let me listen yeah, to the these answer three is guys. yes. Now you can turn the podcast off and go watch Empire. Exactly. I think the <laughs> context, as we've done a lot in the podcast, is sort of like it's 40 freaking years old. Like, in my case, I have not watched this film since I want to say I was like 12, honestly. So, like, sitting down, re watching it last night in Disney, uh, which I know, like, there's always been the arguments of uh, which version, right? Like, how many versions are we talking about? There are the original ones. But then I believe George Lucas like upgraded some of the CGI and all that stuff, correct? Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's at least five or six versions of this movie at this point, if you consider all of the different releases. But there is the original one and then they kind of went back and uh, redid a couple of scenes 
um, as Return of the Jedi came out, like as an example, the Emperor is different in the original cut than he is going forward because, well, they hadn't casted um, Palpatine yet. So just little things like that. But there is a lot of versions of Star Wars movies. And this is probably the most... Um, the, or the least harmed one of those from doing recuts because there is some bad stuff that they added to New Hope and Jedi. Oh, I was going to say, because <clears throat> I looked up the list of changes because I had watched, I probably watched uh, A New Hope a couple months ago and then I was actually watching some of it the other day as well. And there is a lot of messiness in there with just, you know, you get 90s CGI and 2004 CGI mixed in with 70s practical effects. So it looks a little rough. And then watching um, Empire Strikes Back, I, you know, there was a few things here and there, but for the most part, it didn't look too tampered with and no that was that was really nice and then i looked up a list of changes and it looks pretty minimal um you know a few effects here and there and a few lines of dialogue they either like fixed or whatever but i i'm I'm definitely happy that it remains pretty much uh intact you can almost say that they made a perfect movie the first time around Mm -hmm. and and talk about a not just a decade so this is 1980 right before we keep going Everybody, you know the deal. If you enjoy the podcast, especially now, I think podcasts are just pretty awesome, right? With this whole like uh, social distancing and all that, you can leave a five-star review, uh, Apple Podcast, Stitcher. We also have a Discord, thecastofthepast.com slash Discord. But just sort of going down memory lane, uh, 1980. So statistically speaking, this is the highest rated film of not just the decade, really. It's pretty much like that. That specific year just dominated. But then... Also out in 1980, we had The Shining, uh, Airplane, Caddyshack, Friday the 13th, uh, Raging Bull, uh, The Blues Brothers, uh, just so much stuff. Then you have like Popeye, you have other questionable things, Superman 2. But damn, talk about the the beginning of a decade. When it comes to 80s films, like we, we went back and watched a film that is 40 years old. I would, I would like to generally assume that most of these films... Maybe they hold up in some right, right, uh, some uh, some senses, but not others. Like, have you gone back and watched movies that that are not Star Wars that are this old, like eighties and maybe even seventies? I mean, I've watched The Shining not too long ago, and mm-hmm. I mean that's another example of just an iconic movie that still holds up very well. Um, I mean, that's an easy example there. Other, you know, there's not too many other. 80s movies i can think of off the top of my head that are more like special effects driven granted there's a lot of effects in the shining but you know they don't have like lasers and and all that crazy stuff going on but again that movie still holds up beautifully but i think one of the most amazing things about star wars and it's a little bit harder for us to judge today just because you can't it's hard to get your hands on the og versions but even at the time in the late 70s and 80s, there's movies that came out 10 years later that don't look as good as Empire or even A New Hope. It's true. And the great thing is about movies from that era, like, yes, the effects don't hold up as much, especially in a movie like Star Wars. Like, it. don't get me wrong, it looks great, but it looks great for what they did in the 80s. But 
on the other side of things, if you have good dialogue, like that lasts forever. That doesn't age. Maybe some of the context does, but like a good script doesn't really age out of time. That's why movies like I watched Caddyshack the other week. It was still hilarious to me. It's a great movie. Same with The Shining. Friday the 13th, maybe not so much just because it's been so cliched to death. But even that, I still think that holds up. I'd have to agree. I think it's like a varying degrees, but it is fascinating, right? That when you think about Star Wars, it's super relevant, but you know, other stuff, other stuff in pop culture doesn't age nearly as well, but then Star Wars does. So the the first thing we have to talk about, because we had a chance to review uh, the Mandalorian up, up until, you know, a certain point, but even then we're talking about modern. So going back and watching this yesterday, my first thing is the theme song. So my question for both of you is, you know what's about to happen, right? You see the logo on screen, you, you already hear the music, the feel, the text, it gets you in the, into the context. Starting with Keith, how much do you love that inaugural experience of Star Wars that it's, uh, it's very formulaic and old school, right? It's like a very old school film thing, yet if you take that, out, if you take that away from it, it stops being Star Wars, right? To a degree, because I don't think things like The Mandalorian have it, but... It brings a smile to my face being such a huge Star Wars fan. Like it just goes ear to ear because I know exactly what I'm in for at this point. Like say what you will about the last three movies that came out. When that opening crawl hit and that first note of the Star Wars theme, it's like, yes, we are in for a Star War. It's it's time. Let's go. And it just brings it's such like a raw feeling of joy for me that I would like never trade for the world. World. Even though it is old and you might call it cliche, it's just something that resonates so well for me that I'm willing to accept all of that. Good music is good music and a great soundtrack can turn a good film into a great film. And when you have something that hits on characters, story, music, special effects, everything comes together. It's no surprise that it's one of the most revered movies ever. Now, I kind of want to have an interesting conversation with you guys. I, I'm going to derail Juan a little bit here, but um, I want to kind of get the child perspective versus your current day perspective on Star Wars, because mine's very different. Um, for me, I, you know, my family introduced me to Star Wars, you know, with the originals. But of course, you know, my memory pre, you know, in the early to mid 90s <clears throat> is a little shaky, right? But of course, there was, I think it was 1997 is when they did the theatrical re-release of the movie. So, I got to see the original trilogy in theaters. So, as a kid, this might sound, you know, just strictly looking, this is pre-episode one. As a kid, Empire was actually my least favorite Star Wars movie because, you know, I'm what, eight or nine years old and Ewoks to me are the greatest thing in the world. So, Ugh. for some reason, I Return of the Jedi was absolutely my favorite movie because I love the Ewoks so much. And that's kind of all it takes, when, I guess, when you're like eight or nine years old. Um, and I, don't get me wrong, I loved every Star Wars movie, but Empire was actually my least favorite. Um, so it was like Jedi, A New Hope, Empire. So I wanted to ask you guys, has your, 
you know, ordering of the original trilogy, has your favorite changed or did you, you know, Keith, did you love Empire as a kid, like always first and foremost? Yeah, for me, Empire was number one since day one. I, yeah, I'm, I'm trying to think back, but because the reason I loved Empire so much as a kid was all of the action sequences and how the stuff like on Hoth I thought was the coolest thing, bringing those tow cables and then taking out those big machines and then like the the gunfights on Bespin, even though the stormtroopers are garbage and <laughs> that <laughs> they can't hit anything. That was that was so cool to me. You had all of these cool characters and then all of this cool action in a package. I that resonated more to me than like an Ewok village just because um, like even the bounty hunters that even though they're in the movie for like 45 seconds just the designs of people like Bosk and IG-88 that I I was the kid that was like I need those toys right now and then it all uh, led up to that duel between uh, Darth Vader and Luke Skywalker to me that is when Star Wars is at his best that is my favorite part of the Star Wars movies it's most of the reason why I will defend episode three to the death, but just being able to see all of those cool things in a movie, I loved it so much. And it was definitely above uh, Jedi for that reason. And New Hope, it kind of, it was cool from the space aspect, but it just wasn't on that same level for me as a kid. And even today. For me, it was interesting because I had a lot of family members that were obsessed with the films. Like they, they were the people that the DVDs came out and they would insult you if you watched the DVD, not the VHS, like just for the context. And I know a lot of people are on that boat. So I watched. Yeah, the those VHS people days. need to like piss off. <laughs> 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 but it, it was that whole controversy. But for me, uh, uh, Empire appealed to me as a kid above all the other ones. Like I mentioned, it's been a long time, right? I, I haven't seen this film since I was like 12 or 14. So going back my immediate response is like, I felt like a kid again, because I, I remembered this, uh, this family member was an uncle just talking to me about the movie and why it was so important and the character of Luke. And for me, knowing that I was kind of in the boat that I really started consuming Star Wars after episode one, like the original films, it was fascinating to see like what preceded those films and, and why do people love this so much? And I think back then I fully understood it. I didn't understand the scope, right? To me, it was just a movie. Like to, as a, to me as a kid, I was more about TV shows, not so much about movies. But going now and watching this now, I'm like, there is a reason when you think about pop culture, as I said in the opening, you think about this because back then they weren't thinking about, you know, catchphrases for posters or social media because that didn't exist. You had merchandising, of course, right? But the fact that you're still selling merchandise now and the scenes with Luke and, and, and Darth Vader and the personality with Han and Chewie and R2-D2 and all that, you, you see so many influences from movies that are still coming out now that I think just overall, as a casual fan, I completely understand why people obsess over this film because you can dissect it. To me, the first thing I, I, that really stuck out to me is just the change of scenery, right? I completely forgot just how many different places they go to and the setting. And you know, it's the 80s, right? So you can't help but figure out like, oh, this is a set. You know, they're doing this camera angle because this is exactly what they got. But they do such a damn good job of just like, here's a ship. Here's a little bit of the swamp area. So you kind of get the feel. I feel like movies now obsess far too much about here's like 20 different camera cuts. But this scales it back to the point that I miss a time. 
You know, most of my favorite films are from the 1980s and all that stuff. In your case, Ryan, um, what would you say is the thing that talking about 2020 definitely appealed more to you now than maybe the past? Yeah. So, I mean, when I was a kid, you know, I think you guys might have been a little bit more ahead of, ahead of the curve on me on just like judging movies because I just, you know, my brain just couldn't calibrate like what's oh what's great about this movie other than the most simple surface level crap um and i think just back then i liked return of the jedi not just because of ewoks but because it was the conclusion and maybe i didn't like empire as much because it was the middle chapter and i you know it didn't start at the beginning and it didn't it didn't give you a conclusive ending. So as a kid, that's why it just probably was a little bit missing for me. Same reason probably Indiana Jones 3 is my favorite Indiana Jones movie, but I that still carries to today. Um, but what it is today is obviously now I can appreciate the the darker tone, the increase in scale from going from the first movie to the second movie, really, you know, raising the stakes and developing the characters and bringing in new characters. Um, and there's just so much going on in this movie. And I also really like, like you said, kind of seeing the simplicity of the, the older movies where the action is not so over the top. Like, you know, if Luke Skywalker was, you know, a character in 2020s doing like 60 flips and jumping out of, you know, buildings with Vin He's Diesel. He's doing Star Wars like, Episode 3. Yeah, exactly. Where it's just so over the top. But it's like really these guns, you know, they're just running down a hallway shooting guns at each other. And it's not really about how over the top, you know, the things are. Like the star, you know, the lightsaber duel is pretty simplistic between Luke Skywalker and Darth Vader. But be, it's about the characters. It's about the emotion of the moment. And you're feeling the emotion of what's going on through their lightsaber duel, as opposed to as much as episode one's lightsaber duel is epic, there's not nearly the same emotional impact behind it. You know, they're just like doing all these crazy flips and stuff. And it's not like you, it just kind of comes out of nowhere. You don't feel any weight behind it. Um, so it's that plus like, of course you get the, the introduction of Yoda and the training and everything. So there's just so much going on in empire that really just raised the stakes from the first one. And again, that darker tone that you don't really see, uh, really again, kind of after this movie until like later movie, like of the original trilogy, like this is really the only dark one. Uh, Jedi has its moments of course, but it's really mostly in this movie. Mm -hmm. It really established the universe in a way that um, the first, like a new hope did not do. Like it's very much that it was new hope was the base. And this is what made star Wars as big as it is with characters. And the nice thing about this movie, and I think why it resonates so well above the others, especially in the later trilogies is that it's, 
it's the kind of the same analogy we used at T2, which is another great movie where everything happens for a reason in this movie. Whether it's a fight scene or just two characters talking, there's reason behind all of it. There's a reason why the big duel at the end isn't this fast, fast paced, flippy thing. It's because there's a story being told of like Darth Vader testing and playing with Luke just to find out like how strong he is. It's that stuff that gets lost in movies especially a lot these days and really what like the limitations almost uh enhance what they're able to do because they have to slow down because well they couldn't do the crazy cgi flips uh that they could these days and just replace that with story and that's what makes empire so good because would here's a question for you guys would you consider empire an action movie because personally i don't no, yeah, not it's at all. an adv- I'd say like adventure. Yeah, movie. I would say more. It's like a drama than um, mm-hmm. action movie, just because it's more. It's all character development yeah, with I mean, some action like scenes around cha- it, like space, like a lot of chasing with the Millennium Falcon trying to escape and everything. So there is like it is that space kind of action yeah. going but on. I think there's something genius about that because think about the fact that we first got the other film in the seventies, right? So by the time this one came out, and and I hate the fact, like, this is if I could get a time machine just to be in the movie theater when this game, when this movie came out, I would, I would just freaking love that just to be in there. You know, when, when people, spoilers, Darth Vader, totally Luke's father, like, it, it is a thing. Can you imagine that feeling? And I feel like what I makes wish this, I could. Yeah, man, because yeah. going back to that fight scene. I think that fight scene is a reminder that sometimes many films put fight scenes for the sake of action of just like, hey, here's stuff on screen that looks cool. Here, it's like they're technically fighting, but it's about why. It is the purpose. It's like every single time that looks maybe about to fall, every time that he's trying to survive. And really, that does not a lot happens. There's not even like a whole lot of music in that. So in modern film, that would be like the most basic, boring film. But because you know there's this is a trilogy. You know there's a film that preceded this one. You know this is not over by the time the film ends. I feel like this is just a great pillar that, yeah, for people like Ryan, and in many cases like myself, I love a good conclusion. But I feel like we often undermine that you don't get a good conclusion unless you get a good film like this. Because yeah. imagine you need a, if they, a good journey to have a exactly good conclusion. And a lot of a lot of times you know, you can see this with tons of TV shows throughout uh, recent history is a lot of people can't stick the landing, right? But the buildup is usually the journey, the middle journey is usually the best part. And like I said, I've definitely grown to appreciate that more now. So Keith, um, I'm curious, just taking, just lumping all the movies in a whole uh, both like the original trilogy, what we got in the 2000s, what we gotten recently. If you could pinpoint one specific thing about Star Wars as a as a franchise, what is your your favorite thing about Star Wars? Like taking it away from from Empire, is it the scenery, costumes, characters, tone, music? What about it makes it Star Wars? Makes it like there's just nothing else. That is like this. Like, what is that one definitive thing for you? Aside from like a ton of merchandise. Yeah, well, it's absolutely the merchandise. Just look at me on the video version. But if 
If I had to pinpoint it to one thing, I honestly think it's the characters that make me love Star Wars as much as I do, and how all of the characters interact with each other, and how unique they are. Because just let's look at Empire here, and how different every character in this movie is. You have Luke, who's the uppity, good guy, white bread hero. You have Han Solo, the or the witty smuggler. You have Princess Leia, the damsel in distress that can throw a couple blows when she needs to. You have Darth Vader, the big bad, bad guy that is arguably one of the best villains of all time. You have such strong pillars from that that they've built on throughout all the years like not every character is great I think there's a lot of issues with what they did in the last trilogy but just using this as like a like a sediment for what they've done through the like throughout time throughout the entire Star Wars franchise it's so strong that they just continued with it and then even these or like now these days with characters like um, in the Clone Wars everybody that they have there, including Anakin Skywalker, who became Darth Vader, spoilers, and the Mandalorian. They've continued that um, they've continued that strong uh, building block of just solid characters that really made Star Wars the juggernaut that it is, at least in my opinion, because y- you can really only go to the well so many times with environments. You can really have only so many snow planets that aren't Hoth, mm-hmm. so many sand planets that aren't Tatooine. It's all about what those characters do on those planets that make it cool. So, yeah, characters, long story. Yeah, something I wanted to bring up quickly before we take it to Ryan is that for me, watching this now, I now understand just how many influences the Marvel movies, like the later ones, like Endgame and all that, take from this. Because I feel like anybody can slap on a suit, right? We've talked about the fact that anybody can wear a bat suit, but not everybody can be Batman. Everybody can have the Superman costume, but not everybody can be Superman. Just like with Marvel, it's like you envision the character, but you say Iron Man, sure, you think about the suit, but you also think about the personality, right? And I think something Star Wars does so right is that take a character like Darth Vader. There is no emotion. Film has taught us that you need to see the person's expression, right? So they actually made the best use of, the, the best use of that because they said the opposite. Oh, This is a dark character, so he's literally going to wear black clothing, and you do not see his expression. And that there instills fear to the point that whenever he's on the big screen, it's like, oh man, he's right there. But then you bring it to Han Solo. Yeah, it's mysterious, but it's also, let's get one of the most badass voices of all time and just get James Earl Jones. And Such a great voice, right? Yeah. Yeah, oh, it's, it's like, my it, favorite. It, yeah, if you didn't have the voice, it's over. But the you know that voice is incredible. But it's those things that you can put a character like Han Solo in. Uh, like uh, I started film production, right? So one of the challenges they told us in class is, you know, you have a good character when you put him in a bar. Like the scene is a bar. And by putting that character there, the scene changes. If you put a character in there and everybody's just like, oh, it's just another dude, it's fine. But I feel like C-3PO, like R2-D2, Luke, like Leia, everybody is just so well-defined. And uh, I want to take it over now. What would you say is your favorite scene or moment from the film? So I think we can all agree that generally speaking, because we know like this is the middle ground 
of the original trilogy uh, the, of the original trilogy it's kind of like a gateway between point a and point b but if you have to pick out a particular scene or moment that you're like this is why I keep going back. This is why people talk about it. Maybe they love it overall, but if you have to pick something in specific, uh, what would it be? I'm seeing Keith uh, struggle That's quite a bit. That's so What's hard. There? I don't know. It's, it's really in hard. Movie, <laughs> in this movie, it's pretty easy, I think. Just that duel between Luke and Darth Vader, you know, when he reveals, Darth Vader reveals he's the father of Luke. I, st- You know, you get chills every time he says it and like the music, the score behind it. So, and just, you know, Luke sells it so well. I mean, he he's he's crying a lot, but like he is so He, he might oversell it a little bit. <laughs> but, you know, the overselling works. Mm-hmm. Like it, it really does. One thing I want to credit um, you know, to the actors in this movie, you know, as of course they're, they're all iconic, but the dialogue for the majority of this movie is very simplistic. And a lot of people crap all over the prequel trilogy for its, you know, terrible script or whatever. But if you really look at the dialogue in these movies, for the most part, it is very, very simple. But the difference between the prequel trilogy and the original trilogy is that the actors do a much better job. They make, you know, what some parts of a weaker script are really work. Whereas the they were just not able to deliver that on the in the prequel trilogy. Mm-hmm. There's a, like an old urban legend that when people like Harrison Ford looked at the script, they just looked at George Lucas and was like, "I'm not reading that. No, I'm saying this yeah. instead." And then I think it became way better because of but, it. Yeah, but I mean, even the lines that came in, like if you really look at the lines themselves, there's a lot. Many of them are very, very basic, but how the actors sell and act those lines is what makes it. It's and when true. You can, and when you combine both things, it's like, once again, 1980. So, we weren't even born. So, we do not understand that culture to begin with. So, considering that, and people like Harrison Ford still said, you know what, I'm going to kind of like get the tone. But here's what, where I think that works so beautifully. The fact, this this is dialogue that anybody can read out loud, right? It's like very basic script writing 101, but it works because it's relatable. It works because, yeah, we're talking about space, but Han Solo can be anybody's friend. He can be like that cool friend, right? Uh, And you look at Luke, and when you figure out who his father is, I guarantee you there were a lot of people in the 80s going like, holy crap, I want to know who my dad is. In things, situations <laughs> like that. <laughs> it's like, Luke, I identify with you, man. Eh? But it's that connection. And I think where a lot of other series and, and films fail is that you say st- uh, like space and they try to have this overly elaborate dialogue and, and like 50 different things. And Star Wars definitely got to that eventually, but that's because they spread out, you know, with like series and everything else. But I love that in a film setting... You kind of fill in the blanks. I feel like the more broader the dialogue, the more you can sort of go like, oh, what's, what are they talking about behind the scenes? What are they talking about between scenes? And I think that's where the lore comes in. Like, Keith, in your case, how, how important to you as somebody that I know, like, for a fact, I had, to, I had to physically carry memorabilia from Puerto Rico to Florida, in this case, many years ago for you. How important is the lore and everything that surrounds Star Wars more so sometimes than the films themselves. 
To me, it's extremely important, but it's more because I just want more of Star Wars, where I want, I'm the person that watched the new trilogy and was like, okay, well, what happened for all of Ben Solo's life? I want to know about all of that. And that's why I watch YouTube videos dissecting the color of Darth Vader's eyes at specific <laughs> moments. I just, oh, yeah. It's, I, I can't imagine the answer is the same for everybody else that isn't as deep as yeah. me, but it's just a need to want well, more Keith, of the I, lore. I do, have, I do have an answer for you, and it's not the answer you like, because um, watching this and hearing dialogue between Lando and Han reminded me, oh, they really did just strip every piece of dialogue from these two guys and then make the solo movie it's and true. just put that together because i did i totally forgot about the whole like mind thing that they talk about um and how they incorporated that in in the movies so yeah when you get the answer oh i wonder what happened with that well they make a movie and apparently in your case they ruined it for you <laughs> yeah but that's a bad example there are good examples like <laughs> like <laughs> oh, usually usually yeah. the when you stuff contradict that I, somebody you bring some like, of that you evidence. could say rogue no. one because you like rogue one so much, i could say but. rogue one but even to go beyond the movies when i get into things like the books that's where i really find the stuff that i love like one of my favorite star wars books is called it's not even canon anymore i don't think it's called like dark lord rise of darth vader and it's all about the early days of darth vader like right after episode three of him getting used to the suit and this new life as like Darth Sidious's apprentice just getting into that stuff stuff that they never really tackle in the movies that's what I love the most hearing being able to hear like the inner monologue of Anakin Skywalker after everything goes down in episode three that's the aspects of the lore that I love just expanding out characters the characters that are my favorite in the galaxy than just bringing more life to those characters beyond the movies that's my favorite part and it's probably why i love things like the clone wars so much too okay so if we agree that just the the, the personalities and the characters are really important there's a lot of relationships here so keith you brought up like han and lando but then you have han and Chewie, then you have uh luke and leia like in this movie, what would you say is your favorite relationship or just partnership that really brings out that chemistry and you love? It's a very minor one in the movie just because their characters are so separate. But I honestly think that my favorite relationship in this movie is Luke and Han. Just because every... What you consider the character traits to Han Solo to be kind of disappear anytime him and Luke are on screen together where... The like the scoundrel of Han Solo is very much, oh, I'm looking out for myself. It's number one, get in my way and you die or I'll figure a way to like swindle you out of um, whatever I'm trying to get. Whenever those two are together, like Han almost becomes like a father figure to Luke and is constantly looking out for him. It shows the the um, the bad guy with a good heart aspect of Han Solo. And as one of my favorite characters in Star Wars, it makes me love Han. Solo even more. 
I think uh, for me, it's probably the Leia and Han Solo kind of back and forth. Normally, I'm not a, you know, big on the whole love story aspect. Um, And it's always awkward when you see Luke and Leia kiss knowing, like, it just makes me uncomfortable every single time. But (laughs) if um, you knew then what you know now. That aspect, it makes you root for Han and Leia even more each time. But they make it fun. They, you know, just the interaction because Leia always acts so distant with Han, but you know she does like him. So it's one of those, like I said, I'm not big on the whole love story thing, but they play it off in a way that it's actually enjoyable to watch. I would really love to be like, if I could go back in time to one moment, I would love to be a fly on the wall in the meeting where George Lucas revealed that Luke and Leia are siblings, where yeah. they're like, well, what the hell? You made us you kiss know when, in two movies. Do you know when that decision was made? That I was don't like, know exactly. Do you think I, it was before, you know, Jedi, I assume? I would maybe, well, I mean, like, I imagine... Like they, did they decide it after Empire? Yeah, it was what I was saying. Obviously, My understanding did. of the script writing is that, like, the trilogy was done in one shot, and they just made tweaks there. So, from that, I imagine that they knew going into it, but still had Wait, to do like it, Like, the I trilogy guess? was already written before yeah. the first movie was shot? I'll fact check that, but I'm pretty sure George Lucas wrote the entire trilogy in one, like... He wrote it as a trilogy. Because it's like, this movie could have flopped so hard. Like the original one, we're not talking about Empire. Empire, like the first one was a hit. So naturally this one was going to be two. But imagine building this entire world. But the first film could have flopped. People may not have been ready for it, especially with the practical effects and all that combination. So to, to think about that as a possibility... I mean, that would be pretty amazing. Yeah, I mean, you can look at the first one and you can kind of tell that it was made to be somewhat conclusive just in case they didn't come out with another one. Like the Death Star is blown up. You could theoretically say the Empire is done even though Vader got away. So they kind of had it out in case it didn't end up getting, you know, the full trilogy. You know, I'm just going to trust my gut on this one because I can't find it right now on the spot. But (laughs) if I'm wrong, tell me in the comments. Yeah, probably. Yeah. And uh, which, by the way, you know, go over to a cast of the past on Twitter. You can let us know about that. Uh, I feel like 2020, if we're talking about a film that's 40 years old, naturally the the biggest thing that could sometimes stick out, especially now that it's on Disney Plus. So arguably it's like the most these films have ever been available on. When you talk about the space scenes, the space fights, uh, anytime that they noticeably have a layer of green screen, these films were not meant to be seen so up close in high definition. Obviously, they've been retooled, remastered to make look to make sure they look as sharp as they do. But knowing that we get these high de- high definition displays, is that something that you naturally can't help but look at? Or do you think you can appreciate the film just knowing full well, like this is 1980 and naturally things like that are going to look a little different than what we're used to? I think I appreciate it, especially like growing up seeing it because honestly, the stuff in this movie looks better than some of the effects that we see in the 2010s and 2020. So being able to think about how they did that stuff and make it look as good as it uh, as good as it does, it really makes me appreciate it. Like, yes, it looks old. And as we like get higher and higher definition televisions, it looks older and older, but I still really appreciate it. 
Yeah, it still looks miles better than, you know, you look at like in late 90s CGI, things like that. Um, you know, the practical effects will still always to a degree hold up much, much better than CGI. And even the CGI that's in there, like it's hard to dissect, okay, what's from 1997, what's from 2004, whatever. Mm-hmm. But um, for the most part, it it looks fine um, and much better than, oh God, some of the stuff in A New Hope is just complete trash, that the, the redone Ugh. stuff. Ugh, yep. Like going that into- Jabba stepping on his tail, oh, hot yeah. garbage terrible, that they but did. But also just the shot of when they're on the speeder going into the, what is it? Is it Moss Eisley yep. or whatever? And they do that outward like CGI view and it looks terrible. And then they have a random like dinosaur walk in front of the screen for whatever damn reason. It's just terrible. Yep. It ain't nice. (laughs) We've talked about amazing things about this film. We know that definitely the dialogue could it work differently, perhaps. But if there was something in 2020 that you saw... And the three of us agree, great film. That is not the argument. But if you had to critique something or just went like, look, I get it. One of the best films of all time. This still just kind of either sucks or is not that great. What would that one thing be? Oh, you're making me critique my favorite movie yeah. ever. Yeah, oh, that, no. that, that's part this of This is a very <laughs> minor thing. I would have liked to see a little bit more training with Yoda and Luke. But again, like I think part of it is... the the mystery and everything. Um, But that did feel a little bit short, like how did he progress so much? But um, so I would have liked to see a little bit more there. But again, you know, like I said, it's not even a real complaint, just like kind of wanting to see more. Yeah, because that that is one kind of weird thing about the movie where it feels like they were together for a couple of days and all of a sudden Luke thinks he's a Jedi. It felt very rushed. Yeah, so being it's like able... he does that training and you're like, okay, he's not done yet. He's not but ready like, to be a long, Jedi. Was he, he just supposed his... to be there another week? And, yeah, then he but then he gets, and then he gets his ass whooped by Vader and then he goes back in Jedi and Yoda dies and he doesn't get any more training, but then he's a badass Jedi. So, But even then, a, like before he goes back, he's a badass Jedi. Like he's the Jedi yeah. in Jabba's palace. True. That's true. So, I mean, I guess you could say he's taking Yoda's like principles and still training on his own, you know. That could be a possibility, but that that is one of the things that surprised me watching it now because like once again... I last watched it as a kid, so I was like, damn, Luke got good quick. Yeah, (laughs) I think in everyone's mind, like, as a kid, you remember, it felt like he trained with Yoda for way longer. Or you watch it and you're like, oh, that really wasn't that long. Yeah, it's like in in other films, if you notice, they rarely show the person driving to a place. Usually, if I need to go to the bowling alley, something will happen, boom, next shot, bowling alley, and you kind of accept that stuff happened in the middle. So I think maybe hey, that's kind of what they look for here. Hey, let's go bowling. Hey, let's go bowling. But um, the, the, the one scene, even though we've referenced it, I would like to look at it from a different standpoint. And that's the Luke and Darth battle. Above everything, also the reveal in multiple aspects. So kicking it off with Keith, like, because uh, I'm, just, I'm just fascinated at this idea. Before you watch this film, uh, you watched it once again. When was the first time you, you saw it? As a kid, at some point, my parents introduced me to the Star Wars VHSs as a kid. 
And you watch I, them in order. So you watch like the yeah. first one then. Okay, okay. Did you know? Because obviously the spoiler was out by then. Did you know about the Darth-Luke relationship? No, I didn't. Okay, so how, how was that reveal? Like just uh, the, the context as a kid. Was that something that was a big deal to you? Or did you just kind of take it as like, oh, plot twist? Honestly, as a kid, it was probably just a plot twist because I was more enamored by the laser sword fight and everything <laughs> going on there. Yeah, because like, as I an don't adult, remember... I think that's a really big deal. <laughs> yeah, I don't remember the twist as a kid. Like I just like when I think of my earliest Star Wars memory, like I already knew that. So it's I was just too young when I first saw it. Mm-hmm. Same for me. I think that generally speaking, uh, uh, I hated this. I mean, it was cool at the time. Now, looking back, I'm like, damn, they just spoiled everything. Uh, this uh, movie rental place, they just had like the highlight reels of the very best moments of films. Really? It was just like, spoiler, spoiler, spoiler. So like in every yeah. single movie, I just- Kind like, of a dick move. Yeah. It's like, okay, I guess I, but I if you, don't need to rent that. Yeah. If you do want to get a glimpse of that, there's, there's people- in life who somehow have not been spoiled on this in star wars and there's a lot of youtube videos of people reacting to it like people showing their kids star wars for the first time and capturing their reaction so i guess you know it's something to look forward to when you have kids someday is okay i get to just completely make them shook by showing this uh <laughs> showing them empire yeah yeah so then on the flip side back in the day you didn't know when that happened but now you have like an abundance of Star Wars information. So whenever you watch these films, I, I assume you can't help but know it's like, well, this happens in the following one. This happens in the, in the other one. Did, does, that, does that make you appreciate the journey more? Because for me, sometimes with films, you know when something gets spoiled to you? To me, there are some films that I'm like, they're really good to watch that one time, right? Uh, because you figure out what it is. And then maybe you'll watch it a second time just to be like, oh, that's how they were getting things working. But then I'm done. In your case, Keith, and then to Ryan, uh, how do you view Empire just knowing everything that happened before and after? To me, it makes everything that happens in the Star Wars universe makes me appreciate this movie more. It, it's the little scenes that they add into other stuff that amplifies things in Empire. And just because I'm so close to it and I'm able to make those connections, like a normal person shouldn't really connect the the scene that Ryan calls quote unquote fan service garbage in Rogue One of Vader just mauling through people uh, in a hallway in my brain I connect it to the scene in the Bespin dining room where like this is a guy that can take out an entire hallway in Darth Vader and Han Solo just pot shots him he takes a shot at him trying to kill him like that makes Han Solo way cooler to me as far as I'm concerned the fact that just screw it we're going for it we're shooting Darth Vader it amplifies stuff like that and being able to see um the duel yeah, between I Luke forgot. and Vader Go I was ahead. gonna say I forgot that Darth Vader just palms like a blaster fire yeah. <laughs> like he just like puts his hands out and stops it I gotta admit I think what they did obviously with effects later on with Kylo Ren like stopping a blaster was like really badass but still still you know, pretty back badass in the, back in the day for badass just like putting your palm out and absorbing a blaster that's some uh that's some tough stuff right there but mm -hmm. um similar to keith i do like 
you know, with all the movies, it is fun to kind of like piece the story together. Like when you watch A New Hope and, you know, Obi-Wan is talking about, oh, he was a good friend and a good pilot. And then you think of like episode one and you're like, now this is pod racing. (laughs) Or you think of episode three when he lands the the malevolence. This is is where the fun begins. Or no, that's the invisible hand. He lends the invisible hand (laughs) on Coruscant. But what I like kind of going back to the you know, old school action movie type stuff is I do like some of the clunkiness of this movie too. Like Chewbacca, when he's trying to get all the pieces of uh, C-3PO and he's like trying to fight off those goblin dudes. Like it's not this like big action scene. Like it's, it's really clunky, but it's just, it's amusing. And it's nice that like not everything has to be like, oh, because he's Chewbacca, he's just going to waste these guys in two seconds and walk away with C-3PO's parts. Like things seem like a little bit more of a struggle. It doesn't seem like everyone's like an OP video game character like you see in a lot of newer movies. So I I appreciate that. Something that I love in this film, as somebody that hasn't really watched the original in a long time, is how they bring up characters like Obi-Wan and how they make a really big deal of previous films. Because I feel like one really big challenge in films nowadays is you need to figure out a way to cater to the casual fan, right? Uh, With the mindset of, what if somebody just watches this film? And, well, then you got to explain every little thing. And even though I think they do a pretty good job in this one of just like letting you letting you understand who everybody's all about, I appreciate the fact that it is a definitive sequel. It's not trying to appease everybody, right? Because I feel like whenever you have that middle movie, that happens a lot. There's a, there's a reason that in The Lord of the Rings... People talk about Return of the King. They talk about Fellowship. Two Towers is somewhere in the middle, right? Uh, and I think the the reason is because it's just the gateway, but the ride itself is not fun. And here, everything about it is fun. They're making a big deal of old characters. Plus, at the time, everyone in the world had seen Star Wars, so they didn't feel like they had to fill everyone in. Yep. And I feel it like... It was like the biggest movie ever at the time. And, and it's something that... I mean, I, I guess maybe Game of Thrones. Uh, would you guys, like, talking about that hype level, I didn't watch Game of Thrones as, as it was happening, but my wife did. And I remember we sometimes had friends come over and they would there would be like a, obviously I'm not going to spoil anything, but just like this huge thing would happen. And you hear everybody yelling and all that. But taking it back to 1980, like that scene with Darth Vader, with Luke Skywalker, the build up to the first Star Wars, and then we got this. Is that like the perfect storm of like this cloud of people? Like the, this is like the water cooler talk for pop culture. Oh, like the very first one, right? Yeah. And I'm sure it was, you know, a hundred times bigger than Game of Thrones because, you know, at the time there was way less options for entertainment, you know, in the 70s and 80s than there is today. Now there's, you know, I can, there's a TV to my left that I could access a thousand different TV shows instantly right now. But back then you had a couple movies out. There was like three, four TV channels. I don't know how many they had by the eighties, but (laughs) options were limited, right? So that means more people are going to consume more of the same thing. And Star Wars was huge. So, you know, I'm pretty sure movie blockbusters basically started because of like Jaws in this movie, essentially. Um, so it was way bigger water cooler talk probably than we could have ever imagined. 
Mm-hmm. Just think about the the hype around when The Force Awakens came out a few years ago. And I imagine you can take that and like amplify it by 10. And that's what we got after the sequel to A New Hope came out. Because even just being uh, away for so long and then Star Wars coming back and then having an all right movie, like there was still a huge like excitement around it everybody really got caught up in star wars fever game of thrones was big but i wouldn't say it's star wars big personally no. i don't think there's anything that's star no, nothing wars big. can and like i said it comes down to there's just too many other options for people now to you know we may never even get a show even at the game of thrones level anymore because again we have more and more content and people are going to like be more segmented in what they like but yeah, Star Wars, I mean, we say A New Hope now, you know, it maybe isn't as amazing as, you know, it may have been at the time. But obviously, if you had seen nothing like it before, A New Hope is going to blow your freaking mind. And that's what it did. And then for Empire to take it to such a level that today it is still holds up and is still so revered. I can only imagine how people seeing that move for the first time felt. Yeah, Agreed. I would actually love, uh, I know we do have some listeners that were actually there when that came out. So I would love for those to reach out either on uh, Discord, castofthepast.com slash Discord or Twitter, castofthepast. And yeah, seriously, let us know just that that hype level for films like this, like T2, just these these legitimate blockbusters. I think when you think about blockbuster movies, just this has to be embedded into our heads. So as we begin to wind down, Keith... And then Ryan, um, if you were to say to to somebody that for whatever reason has not experienced Star Wars or is not a fan of space film, because I, I do think there's like different categories, right? People love their gangster films. They may not necessarily love this because it can be outrageous or anything else. But just from a pop culture standpoint, why is it important that people watch Empire? I think it's important just as an escape. It's a fun escape that you can go kind of turn your brain off, but still have it a little bit on and enjoy. It's not something that's really going to make you rethink all of your values and be too deep like philosophically, but it's just a popcorn movie that you can sit down, enjoy, and then take like get something out of it's not just like a brain dead popcorn movie but you need to think a little bit and that's what makes this movie so great in my opinion yeah i think it's important because you know the the original star wars trilogy was really the you know it is not this artsy amazing you know it's not this artsy like sophisticated film but it is a very well-made you know, adventure blockbuster type movie where it is a fun ride and it is very well done and was just a marvel for its effects at the time. And a lot of those effects, even 40 years later, still hold up. Not all of them, but it really is just a great adventure from start to finish of the original trilogy. And it's, I think it's just something everyone should experience. My girlfriend hasn't seen 
any Star Wars, except for she only cares about Baby Yoda, for God's sake. And it works. She, and even that, she's barely watched The Mandalorian. She just likes Baby Yoda. Her wallpaper, <laughs> her wallpaper on her work computer is what? Baby Yoda, and she doesn't even watch Star Wars. So, <laughs> but I had it on in the background, so she might have got a little bit of it. And someday she will watch it, but. Yeah. my wallpaper she, she on my phone every, that's the thing though she knows like the basic story arc of like the uh, this isn't everything. gonna work is it it's a picture of john wick with baby yoda wow that is amazing beautiful <laughs> beautiful for me um i just think it's about influence i think if there's just one word to define that the fact that i compared endgame and the avengers movies as a whole you know, like th- this is a, a di- the, the title's called Star Wars, right? So it's just like mm-hmm. this conglomerate of different characters across the galaxies getting together. It's like, does that sound familiar? Pretty sure it yeah. does. And it's a formula that, guess what? When you have likable characters and you have com- you have that combined with uh, great spectacles, in uh, a dark great ending, plot Infinity War, Empire, and eh, yeah, eh, mm-hmm. you know, no, there's a lot of it's stuff. It's that dark middle chapter, baby. It's always yeah. the best one. Exactly. And guess what? If it ain't broke, clearly uh, it, it ain't broke. So don't fix it. Uh, we would love to know, though, uh, what is your favorite Star Wars film? Please, please reach out on Twitter, a cast to the past. Um, to conclude, I'm just going to ask you guys openly. We've talked about the T2, uh, like T1, 2, and 3, like the Terminator films. Here, we're not reviewing every individual Star Wars film, but we're sort of celebrating that. Aside from those, from a trilogy standpoint, because we obviously know they got more films afterwards, but let's just say, like, when you think of iconic trilogies, is there anything else that you're like, oh, man, we ha- we haven't touched that yet? I mean, I do we think touched, Lord of the Rings well, would be for me. Yeah, yeah we, Lord of the Rings, Indiana Jones. We've touched the first one, but I'd like to touch the rest of The Matrix at some mm. point. Because mm. that's very different. When you think about yeah. the middle movie... Yeah, that's that's one instance where maybe the dark middle chapter ain't the best chapter. <laughs> yeah, it's never good when the first ones, the best trilogies are at least when the first one isn't the best one. I mean, there there's some where it, it works out. You but know what they say, the first time was a great time, but the second, second time, time was, that was a blast. blast. But yeah, you look at Terminator, you look at Star Wars, chapter two, the best so the best indeed so if anybody has any recommendations about future movie trilogies uh that you would like for us to talk about please let us know we have not forgotten about terminator so we've talked about uh the first three eventually we oh will... man could we forget about terminator though <laughs> well, i mean Sa- i think we... we need some salvation yeah. oh, <laughs> no a little bit of salvation it's gonna it's gonna have to happen, Keith. We'll we'll bring you. I'll give you another Baby Yoda wallpaper to make you feel better. How's that? <laughs> okay. There you go. So, people, if you enjoyed this podcast episode, please consider leaving that five star review on Apple Podcast Stitcher. Get the word out. Let people know uh, this truly is about our community. That's why we don't just plug a Discord because we have it. We love the conversations there. It's all about food as well. So shout out to the brisket lovers and the family. Shout out to the mac and cheese lovers and and those tacos. You know exactly who I'm talking about. If you want to see some sexy tacos that are safe for work, <laughs> now we'd love to eat. Please. Good caveat right. there. Good caveat. Right, right. We, we, okay, Ryan. To close it off, just the question: Would you like a sexy taco? A safe for work one. Yes. Awesome. 
I'd like an unsafe for work. <laughs> oh yeah, you give keep the dirty top. Uh, all right, yeah. a cast. Two, two of them. Past. Are we just <laughs> obligated? Whatever one, the, one of the three of us says, it, it's like, oh crap, that's the cue. We just got to end the show now. Yeah, that's that's the out point. <laughs>